Hello, Motown Philly family. You all need to know that this podcast is sponsored by The Speaker's Mechanic. The Speaker's Mechanic is a business enterprise of my co-host Jason Hall, who is a communication skills coach, and he's also a published author of a book called A Vocal Owner's Manual. He works with professionals who are looking to improve their communication skills, and I guarantee you that if you work with him, he will improve yours. Check out his book on Amazon. Again, it's called A Vocal Owner's Manual, and you will be certain once you check him out to improve and get better because here at Motown Philly, that's what we're all about, and that's what his brand, The Speaker's Mechanic, is all about. Thanks so much for tuning in, and thanks to The Speaker's Mechanic for this sponsorship. Hello and welcome to episode 31 of the Motown Philly podcast. It This is Tim Golden here with my co-host. Jason Hall. What's going on, guys? What up, though? Yeah, we're here for episode 31. That's right. You heard it right. 31 of the Motown Philly podcast. And before, before we do anything, we like to put gratitude front and center. Jason and I are grateful. And Jason is about to tell you just how grateful we are. Go ahead, Let's, Jay. Just a quick gratefulness update. Yo, you guys have been listening. You guys have been chiming in. And I don't want to call it chiming. Now, chiming is a kind of a it's kind of a small, miniaturized, like I'm checking in on you guys. But let's let's call it facts. You guys have been getting at us and uh, letting us know how we're doing and we we can't we, listen, here comes here comes a shout out, the first shout out. <laughs> Demetrius Love, yo, we giving you love. Your name was going through the airways, yo. We might start doing this. Those of us who gives us shouts out on a reg, we are so grateful for you. Each and every one that listen in every week, and maybe not every week as you try to catch up as to what we're doing or listening to our most um, or your most interested topic. So we appreciate every second, every listen, list all the all the reviews, please. We found out on one particular platform that you can leave most of your reviews. That's Apple iPod or Apple uh, Podcast. Go iTunes. Just go leave reviews there. More reviews. We got some. We would love more. We're just we're extra grateful today. And um, just keep let's keep it going. Don't forget the Facebook page. Leave likes and comments to what we've done over the past several weeks. Even last week. Last week was a banger. If you haven't heard it heard it yet please go back and listen to it and tim and i send our love yes we do yes we do well let's get right into it today jason today we have a little bit of a somber topic it might be kind of heavy for some people but i think it's necessary because it's a part of life and that's what we do here in motown philly we do life good bad and ugly so let's talk about it today we're going to talk about the subject of death and communication death and communication this is a again it's a heavy subject for some but all of us have experienced the death of a loved one the loss of someone precious to us and death is never a pleasant thing i for one have lost both my mother and father jason i also has lost both of his parents so we are acquainted with the grief and the pain of losing loved ones and one of the interesting things about 
death, Jason, is that death is one of those things that no one knows what's on the other side of it. Our loved ones, as much as we care for them, as much as Jason and I both care for our parents, they they haven't come back and told us what it's like after death. No one can do that. And so death pretty much leaves us with each other. We're left with one another. We are left to process emotions. We're left to have conversations that are not easy conversations. In a sense, we are just left to ourselves. And what we want to get into today is some of the ins and outs that are related to this problem of what do you do when you look around after the loss of a loved one and all you have are the people in your life people in your life who may have also known that person who may have also loved and cared for that person who may have loved and cared for that person in different ways maybe it was a co-worker maybe it was a family member maybe it was a friend maybe the dead loved one was friends with one person or enemies with another there are lots of complicated threads that are left behind and eyes to be dotted and t's to be crossed that don't always happen as they should so let's get started jason let's talk about this issue of death and and how just how emotional it is that's really what i want to do now is just set the stage with the emotional component of death and how everyone processes it and how we all do it differently and and i want to begin with this metaphor imagine you get up in the morning and you are walking across the bedroom floor and you stub your toe on the edge of the bed frame now i i just said ouch to myself <laughs> as i as i articulated that scenario because most people can identify with just how painful that is and typically when we experience a physical pain of that magnitude i know for me at least i have to stop i have to sit down and I have to take a part of my body that is very far from my little toe, my hand, and move it all the way down to my little toe to rub it, to help it to feel better. And I have to pause for a few moments until the pain subsides and I can go about my day. And I wanna use this imagery as a metaphor for how we come together when people die. Mm -hmm. When people die, we do with our families what the body does. When there's pain in one location, other parts of the body migrate to the site of the pain to help make it feel better. Mm -hmm. And when we lose a loved one, we come together at the site of the pain. We typically go to the hometown or to the place of where the person lived and people come together to touch one another the way that the hand goes to touch the foot. We do it in a way that is designed to help us overcome the pain of death. Jason, give us some insight into what that's like. 
when you come together with loved ones after a loss in the family or to a friend or co-worker or what have you no um in some ways i like to share my my own experience um, this past weekend the imagery in which you so eloquently shared with us was kind of a metaphor of my my life over this past week over this past weekend and i love how that example of coming together just the whole part of it uh when you think about death you it's it can be very hard to a lot of people to most people to articulate and feeling that sharp visceral pain of stubbing your toe although wholly different uh scenarios i i get it i i just get it because when that pain that painting is unexpected a lot of times and abrupt sharp and you're not just feeling it in the one concentrated area your whole body is feeling a type of unease and unrest discomfort that doesn't just affect your the you know your the pain that you're feeling physically there is you catch feelings about that particular incident. Sometimes anger, uh, sometimes lament or sadness that you're going through such a, um, maybe sometimes an avoidable experience and sometimes unavoidable because of just circumstances surrounding that. And then there's a cognitive thought process that you're trying to uh, almost reflexively or intuitively with other parts of your body going to the, cent the, the the epicenter, if you will, of the pain that you're experiencing. And as you imagine yourself caressing and nurturing and feeling like trying to be there for that acute pain that you're feeling in your in your toe, so to speak, um, there is a caressing and a, and a nurturing of of the family members um, especially the ones who are immediate who are feeling that same type of pain and this weekend i had an opportunity to give support um, to my loving cousins uh, and my uncle and the surrounding fa family at that time um, you know just my care of letting them know i'm close and hugging them and kissing them and the other family members uh that weren't necessarily in the immediate family but still we're all together still in pain just being in the presence of each other there was grief and sadness and um emotions i, I love that you said that death and emotions are are can be synonymous in in, in so many words because as you know sometimes you you know you and i he, you and I explore often the idea of being healthy and that's making sure that you hold space and what is cognitive or, or what is logical and what is both emotional and centered around your feelings. And we try to hold balance with with that with that I, those two ideals and, and kind of walk, try to walk, do our best to walk that, that tightrope of, of making sure those things, both sides are okay. 
And it's just really hard to imagine someone who doesn't lean in on the side of where of their emotions, who maybe doesn't like to to give in to the thought that they're an emotional human being, meaning not emotional, meaning like you're lopsided or off, but just like we were created to have feelings and emotions and one who kind of pushes away from their emotions in the time of death. You see those emotions really rise to the surface, no matter who they are or how much they might have wanted to push and control and do their best to manipulate, you know, their cognitive, logical idea to, to let, you know, to let themselves know and others know that emotions is not, you know, doesn't have rule in, the, in their lives. But when someone dies, I'm not saying everyone, but almost everyone can't help to avoid the pain, the visceral pain, the pain that you feel emotionally and in your body about, especially when you, when you have this great love for, for an individual. Um, and there's where I think, I think you're really on to something, Jason, because if we go back to the stubbing your toe on the edge of the bed scenario, mm -hmm. the fact of the matter is the pain is so severe that you literally have to stop what you're doing. Mm. It doesn't sure. it doesn't matter what your plans were for the mm. day. Say that. It doesn't matter what tasks you had listed in your planner. It doesn't matter how late you're going to be for that early morning meeting. It doesn't matter matter that you're not going to be able to get in your breakfast the way that you want it. All that matters in the moment of pain is that you stop and pay attention to it. Your body in that moment supersedes all of your rationality, all of your plans, all of your cognitive endeavors. They all get pushed aside because pain has a way of doing that to people. And not only do you have to stop what you're doing, you have to stop what you're doing so that you can migrate one part of your body that is far away to another part of your body. Now, I understand, Jason, your your relative who passed away was your aunt, and I'm so sorry uh, on behalf of the whole Motown Philly family, just very sorry for, for your loss. Mm -hmm. But your family is in Louisiana and you are in Memphis. So if you think about it, Memphis is to Louisiana what the hand is to the little toe. Mm -hmm. And you went to the site of the pain. You had to go to the site of the pain. It didn't matter what your plans were. It didn't matter that you would rather be doing other things. None of that mattered. Everything had to stop. And it isn't just a stopping. It is a stopping and a tending to in the interest of care and concern for other people. And I'm not big on cliches. I don't like the whole silver lining in this cloud kind of talk. But if there is one thing about death is that is is possibly a good thing is that the rest of us who are left behind are put in situations where we are essentially forced to come together. And I don't mean a 
a psychological coercion from external factors. What I mean when I say we're forced to come together is that our internal processes of grief are so strong and so compelling that they drive us together. The emotional dimensions of grief pull us together. The, our emotions are reciprocal emotions to family, to friends of the lost loved one are sort of like magnets that pull us all to the same place at the same time so that we can grieve together. And the sense of togetherness that one sees when the hand touches the foot is the same kind of togetherness that we see when Jason has to drop what he's doing and go to Louisiana to be with his family. And this is, this is, I don't want to call it maybe in a, maybe, well, maybe in a strange way we could call it the emotional beauty of death, right? Mm -hmm. The way that death forces us to pay attention to how we're feeling and the way it pulls people together, people who we haven't seen in years, maybe even in decades, we see, we see at funerals, connections are made and remade and we hopefully begin to secure bonds that we have once taken for granted. And now the loss of a loved one has reminded us of how important it is to be with one another and around one another. And, and so I think it's that emotional component of death that is, is so significant. And it, with that said, Jason, I want to, I want to shift gears a little bit because I want us to talk about a statement that you know, I heard Bishop T.D. Jakes, who, by the way, is one of my favorite Christian preachers. He he really is a, uh, a fine speaker, and I think he has a lot to say that is, is constructive. Um, so I, I heard him say one time that when people grieve, even people in the same family, that each individual grieves alone because they all knew the deceased in a different way mm -hmm. they all had a different unique relationship to the deceased so although they are part of a family and i use family loosely to include friends co-workers etc although they're part of a family the fact of the matter is no one knew your aunt quite like you did and no one, everyone knows our deceased loved ones in a different way. What are the implications of that, Jason, for how we communicate our emotions in bereavement, in death, in grief, in loss? What do you think about that? That's an interesting question. Um, you know, as, as I ponder it, and, and consider it as much as, as you pointed out the true fact that no one knew my auntie is as the way I did is in fact true. It's not necessarily this describing my, my, my intimate, my level of intimacy as far as our relationship or our level of closeness. But uniquely, I, of course, knew her through my life experiences and the memories that I've shared with her 
the things he said to me, uh, the, 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 the gentle touches, hugs, kisses, the, the wonderfully uh, cooked food that makes me kind of salivate even as I, I think about it. Those are experiences that will live with me forever. And as I sit here and ponder on my my cousins or her children, if you will, they too also uniquely loved her and experienced her in different ways. Their level of closeness, intimacy, the things that they shared, the insights that they, they knew distinctively. And of course, their relationship was different from that of my aunt's husband my my uncle see see this aunt was a was a was was one of five my dad had 14 brothers and sisters including him and what was unique about this experience out of all the brothers all four all nine of them he was the first he was the first of the nine brothers to pass away and then years after he passed away other brothers specifically passed away um, i don't want to get the number wrong but there's somewhere between four close to four maybe five of them total eh, it could be stretching five uh, that have passed away but none of the females until this first aunt and so this was kind of especially to the sisters because it was five of them strong, a team, you know, a fist, if you will. And one of their team members, <clears throat> if you will, that passed away, died, the sister, the first sister of the five. And they were all so very close. And when I say close, I'm not just saying, oh, you hear that. No, they actually saw each other each and every day. Um, and they live in the same town slash city. Um, kind of parish if you will if you know anything about louisiana and if, if they didn't see each other every day they i know they talk to each other every day so i mean just think about that literally from the time when they were all born and little to the time to the to my aunt's last day they they were always connected in some strong way and each each so one of so your so your other aunts mm-hmm have a different grieving experience than you do mm -hmm. is that definitely. is that fair to say Jason? definitely 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 yeah they have a different grieving experience i never forget the day my mother died my mother died uh on my birthday mm -hmm. which was which was very sad my birthday is always bittersweet because of that mm -hmm. and i remember the day that she died when I got word that she died, I had to go by my brother's place to pick him up, to take him to the hospital where everyone was there to meet, where the appendages were, where everybody stopped what they were doing and all of the appendages had to come together at the site of the pain, mm. to try to assuage what was happening. It was my birthday. I was in no mood to mourn the loss of my mother. But just like when you stub your toe, you have to stop, right? Death forces us to stop what we're doing. No matter what it is, 
excuse me, and pay attention to how we're feeling. And I'll never forget, I picked up my brother and he got in the backseat of the car and he said to me, man, I just lost my best friend. <clears throat> and when I heard that from my brother, I was immediately reminded of how I did not see my mother as a best friend. I saw my mother as the ultimate caregiver, right? Mm -hmm. My mother was the ultimate mother. My mother was the the cook. My mother was the the font of wisdom. My mother was the backbone of the family. My mother was was all of those things. And so to me, but in that moment, I realized, wow, my brother Marshall feels this pain differently than me. And despite our differences, we're all headed to the site of the pain. We're all headed there together. And this makes me think about what to do when you have all these different people who experience grief differently and the implications of that for how we communicate with one another. How do we talk to each other? I don't know if you you all out there have seen this movie. If you haven't, you really need to see it. It's called Death at a Funeral. <laughs> it's with wait, Tracy wait, wait. Morgan. Yeah, okay, thank you. Tracy Morgan, Chris Rock, Martin Lawrence, Keith David, it's an all-star cast. Regina hilarious. Regina Hall is in it, and it is it is really funny. And it's a good time here to inject a little comedy into our conversation because when you see Death at a Funeral, what you realize is that the deceased, Chris Rocks and Martin Lawrence's father, was many different things to right. many different people. Mm -hmm. He was a very different father to Chris Rock than he was to Martin Lawrence. He was a very different, <laughs> he was a very different lover to his wife than he was to the gay white dwarf man who showed up and demanded a large share of the estate. Yes, bro. So it's a it's a, in a moment of comic relief, right? And I that's all I'm going to say. Y'all need to see the movie. It is hilarious. It's, it's it's definitely a laugh out louder. Like it's like you didn't expect it to be, um, but yeah, you're going to laugh out loud. It is it is funny. I think it's it's an old movie. I think it was made about 13 years ago, 2010, uh, and it's called Death of the Funeral, and it's it's really an interesting take into how people grieve so differently and the comedic the genius of comedy and the genius of storytelling really converge in that film to show us uh, some real profound insights about how different people experienced the lost loved one and i i think jason you I mean, Danny Glover is in it. My goodness, there's so many people in this movie. Give us, give us some insight into this, Jason, because you know here at Motown Philly, we've used comedy before. 
Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. We've used comedy and we've used the story and fiction to to really expose some some serious points here. What what are some of your takeaways from death at a funeral and what it tells us about this topic of of death and grieving and bereavement and how we communicate with each other? I just I I you kind of touched on what I, what I would say in the fact that everyone experiences experience the death of the individual different. And I guess a deeper thought would be because we have different relationships with the individual and also because of our our own uh, composition, our own experiences, our own ideologies of what death is, how we express death or how we grieve death or how we mourn over the dead, if you will, that also is articulated or expressed differently, not just verbally, but even by actions. You know, there's there can be questions that come up as to how come so-and-so didn't do this or how come so-and-so didn't show up and or or why why is he or she saying these things or why didn't he or she say these things and there can be some judgmental thoughts and feelings that come at an individual because they're not you got the relationship that they had with that person whatever it was good or bad um let's just assume good right and then you have that own individual's personal ideology experiences and like hang-ups if you will that in in how they deal and and actually approach death i i've i had some 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 thoughts of my own self as to how different members of the family showed up and how in in whatever way that was right and i say show up meaning they could have been there in the building or there in the city or parish and or they're in the the building and and how they just were and it wasn't like i typically show up as a and as a human being as best as i can in these days and ages as less judgmental as possible so even as i show up to a funeral where everyone might be a little bit different in how they're dealing with this death of this certain loved one they're I do my best to to show up as a non-judgmental member of the family, grieving the way, you know, grieving the way I sh- I, I need to, the the way that's authentic to me. We talk about this communication, connection, and community thing. Like when you really are hopefully connected to yourself, you're communicating with yourself, and and you're and you're having this certain community with yourself. You're functioning in a healthy way, so. Hopefully you get to show up in these spaces as your authentic self. And I think when you're able to do that, you're able to comfort um, those who are grieving most in in this point of pain and this point of visceral, emotional discomfort. You're getting an opportunity to really be present with yourself and with those who are around you. 
And with the idea of that movie, it, that's you really see. And I think it's exaggerated because it is a comedy. It's exaggerated to the 10th degree. You guys, if you hadn't seen it, you really got to check that movie out. It's exaggerated. You got to see, see this movie. Yeah. It it's so funny. Matter of fact, I, I, might, might, yeah. I might watch exactly. it sometime soon myself. Right, right. So interjecting that comedy really helps us to digest like when you when you put a little met, little medicine with the ice cream, sometimes we can see things that we will, really can't see when we're actually in it. And I just want to add another another point to what you're saying. Sometimes death, we you we've been saying death really slows us down and makes and almost, if you will, stops stops whatever we are doing to tend to the soreness and the discomfort and the pain and the agony that we're going through at the moment. But I would interject where there's darkness present. Um, there's also a flip side of the coin. There's also, or there's also where there's death that's present. There's also life that's present or love that's present where there's darkness. I think love slows us down at, uh, at the same time because we love ourselves. I love myself because we love ourselves and that pain is real we're not going to ignore that pain right right like we're we should stop we should give attention on whatever level of love and i'm not saying those who don't love don't show attention they just do the best that they can with what they have in front of them this is a beautiful conversation chick hey y'all it's time for y'all to know and understand and appreciate what people are out here saying about the motown philly podcast jay people are out here talking about us man they out That's, here they out here talking about us and they saying good things here's a five-star review from apple podcasts the subject is titled the review is titled right on time Quote, I am thoroughly enjoying the Motown Philly podcast. Dr. Tim and Jason have great chemistry and their content is what's needed in this space. Love the transparency and the topics. Please give them a listen. You won't be disappointed. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to this reviewer, Sir Sharp. Thank you, sir. We love you and we appreciate you. And y'all who are listening to this, I'm telling you, get yourself on Apple Podcasts and write a review. Listen, so, Tim, I have one. I got one. Can I? Can I get? Can I go? I got one. Yeah, share the love, Jay. Listen, listen love. so I we we I found another one, and this one this one's good. Refreshing information. Five star review on this particular one by Honey Dip Thirty Four. Chick, you know who that might be? I don't know. I don't know. Well, listen, this sound real sweet, though. I sound real sweet. This is what Honey Dip says. It is awesome to hear men discussing real topics in a mature manner. This is for the grown and the sexy crowd. Good mm. job, Tim and Jason. Man, I'll take that. I'll take that any day of the week and twice on Sunday. Listen, guys, we want you guys to go to Apple specifically and write a review. If you're listening to this, we're encouraging you to go to Apple and write a review for us. That would be yeah. great. Write a review for us. And for those of you who are listening for the first time, that's just something, a little something to let you know what 
kind of content we're dishing out here at Motown Philly. Listen, Jason and I are here to stay and to leave the world, to help to leave the world in a little bit of a better condition than when we found it. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for your reviews. Thank you for your support. Jay, I love you. And I am absolutely in love with our Motown Philly listening family. True. Now back to the podcast. It is, man. It is. Now, Jason, I want to, I want to, you know, we got to always go a little deeper here at Motown Philly, right? Let's do it. You talked about showing up in a space of bereavement you with your family the hand has reached the toe and you're massaging and you're hugging and you're loving on everybody and you understand everybody has experienced your aunt in different ways and you are approaching this situation in a way that is to use your terminology as non-judgmental as possible but doesn't there come a time when as much as we try not to judge the way that others grieve, we end up doing that very thing. Isn't there a time when maybe everyone is together that to yourself, you say, no, this fool is not standing (laughs) up there doing thus and so and thus and so. You and this is a tension I want to point to, right? Mm-hmm. Because for those of you out there who are listening, y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Y'all mm-hmm. go to funerals, you see people you ain't seen in a while, you get together and you try to respect the process. You you like Jason. Jason is one of the best people I know, the best human beings I know, right? So as a good human being, y'all folk, and of course, y'all are part of the Motown Philly family, which makes y'all good human beings too, right? Exactly. So you're, you're a good person and you're trying to respect everyone's grieving process, but you say to yourself while everyone is together, man, I think so-and-so may have crossed the line. Mm. How do you deal with that tension? Because you want to respect everyone's grieving process and be non-judgmental, but at the same time, are there certain lines that people should not cross? And if they, if you sense they cross those lines, no matter how much you don't want to be judgmental, you can't help but be on the verge of saying, look, you got, I, I know it's tough on everybody, but you need to go, go ahead somewhere and sit down <laughs> or you need to get yourself together. <laughs> how do we, how do we negotiate that internal tension, bro? How do we deal with I love with it. That? I love it. Um, Talk to me, Jay. Talk to you, me. You better believe I had experiences where the eyebrow is raised, whether actually visible or that inner eyebrow, because you're trying the best, your best to negotiate the situation and navigate your way through what is a sticky, hairy, at times, maybe slightly awkward ordeal. There is something that happens, though, when you're in the presence of familiar um, people who you call your family, familiar humans, if you will. And there is something that happens when family gets together, especially a family like ours, when you, you start to feel bonding, connection, you start to feel a sense of 
comfort and when things are happening that are not so what's the word kosher that might rub us different ways i mean let's just be honest like you do your best to save face and not make a scene or say things or 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 say things that might you know just disrupt the whole flow of what's happening Jay, Jay, you know what I'm sensing? Let's. This is too abstract. I'm sensing. I'm gonna give our folks something to chew on. Okay, give us a scenario. Y'all, you had a funeral. Listen, I I know some of. I know some of my family's gonna listen to this, so I can't be as specific as I need to be. (laughs) Right, you had a funeral for one of your loved ones, and somebody who your loved one couldn't stand, or, or, Mm. your. Uh, they couldn't stand the loved one and they at the funeral and they falling out and somebody got to carry them out and they acting like oh my gosh this is so bad but everybody there knows that person couldn't stand the loved one and the loved one couldn't really stand that person mm-hmm. right? right so you have a level of communication here that is uh, uh, essentially turned into a spectacle and an outward show when you and everybody else in the family knows that your dead loved one and this person couldn't stand each other. Right. And now they trying to act like, oh my God, I, he gone, she but, gone. Let me say what, this. Let me. <laughs> what we finna do now? You're so funny right now. Let me say this though. Like, I totally get and know and have experienced what, what you have said. But this is what I know about my auntie, right? She, and this is not a cliche. You just got to know her is to love her. Bro, I don't think she had any, any enemies. Um, and everyone loved her and she showed love and, or, or let's say, here you go, Jay, I'm sorry. Let's say somebody gets up and says something, maybe not at the service, maybe at the repast, somebody gets up and maybe there's somebody who didn't really like your loved one and they get up and they decide it's their opportunity to take a shot. Bro, who is what? Let's talking about communication, connection, and community. That might be a good way to destroy all three at the same time. Yeah, bro. But, like, what I mean, you know, how, how do we deal with these difficult situations? Because sometimes I'm telling you, man, some funerals, boy, folks be ready to go to jail. I mean, the question is what the question is what it is, like, like, con, like the 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 poet modern day poet kanye west said so eloquently how sway how how sway how that is the question like i am just grateful that my family and the friends that surrounded my family didn't show up and turn turn up in so many ways where people had to get let's y'all know this word ignorant not ignorant but ignorant and things had to pop off. There was I G N A N T. Right, right, right. The love was there. And yeah, I'm honestly, there were some things that were done, maybe some things that were said that individually, maybe even collectively, without speaking about it, that things that things were a little bit, you know, maybe off off kilter or off brand, if you will. Taste, you know, tack wasn't as as on point. But we all got through it. Honestly, there was not a moment at this particular funeral 
uh, or any other funeral that was necessarily related to my family where someone had to act a donkey in order to like bring uh, maintain law and order uh as far as decorum of the of the funeral that was happening yes tim there were things that were said and even done during this weekend that i had to wrestle with internally and get get and move past in order to be okay and like i said sometimes you have that close that close cousin and or relatives that is next to you and near to you and you get to whisper let's just be honest whisper to the side and be like in the world is they why in the world and you say that and that's because they know what you know i don't think it's a it's a it's a corporate disgust or or corporate uh or a family um aghast if you will just disbelief but there is some some there's some chatter amongst those who are close to be like what in the hell is he saying right now what is that and we got that we got that we family and we humans and we just like nah son we ain't doing that or nah son it ain't like that or nah son i ain't about to do that no <laughs> i'm not about to do we got that amongst us it's not like it, we're not yelling it from the top saying no we not doing what you want us to do it's more like nah son i ain't i ain't rolling with that and it's like that bro it's just it's just like that like it ain't going down like that today. no i'm just i'm just not gonna do that like you can say what you need to um <clears throat> I, I i did want to touch on this point when it sure. comes when it comes and you might have you might were going there when it comes to funerals i guess i want to ask you th this question maybe how how you interpret this particular act of of navigating or negotiating your own feelings when someone comes to you when you're in your moment of grief your your deep moment of sadness when someone approaches you and says you ought not hello somebody or you need not feel bad you there shouldn't be any crying here and this should be a celebration i i just need you to speak to to me about how you what you do when someone tells you not to cry when someone tells you not to experience the sadness of the moment which is grief uh and pain sometimes even physical definitely emotional when you're in a moment to where this is a funeral and yes you can be christian a god follower jesus follower and know that there is there is a type of life after death that doesn't mirror anything like we know but in this moment i hurt and what do you do when someone says hey don't cry you need to be you need to be happy in this moment well i think personally for me what i do in that situation is as respectfully as possible say I understand that you are trying your best to make me feel better, but in this moment, the best thing for me is to experience my sadness. Yeah, I like this that. moment. What is best for me is not what you think is best for me. 
Instead, what is best for me is for me to undergo the catharsis of indulging how I am feeling because it is in that experience that I am able to process my grief and my pain. And there may be times when my sadness will be interrupted with laughter mm -hmm. at a good memory. Because here's the thing, Jason, grief and grieving is not linear. I love that. Say that again. Grief and grieving is not a linear process. It's not sequential. It doesn't go in order. There's five different phases of grief, but they don't happen in a certain order. And there's nothing dysfunctional with me if I go from denial to depression and I skip over anger or if I stay in anger for a while and never get to uh, depression and never get to bargaining and never get to asking myself, but what if this had happened or what if I had done this or what if I had only said this or that? And so it's important for us to remember that the human emotions are messy, mm. right? They are messy. Life is a mess. Mm. Jason, yeah. you and I can agree to that. It is, it is nowhere near a clean process to undergo the grief and pain of losing a loved one. And I would encourage anyone who thinks that this is not a time for grief and pain, even if you are a Christian, to go read the scriptures. Go read the story of Lazarus and read how when Jesus gets there, Mary and Martha come to him and say, if you had only been here, our brother would still be alive. And there's a very poignant but short passage of scripture that simply says Jesus wept. What you going to do? Go over to Jesus and tell him, don't cry, Jesus, because there's a resurrection coming. Jesus told Lazarus and sisters, I am the resurrection. And he still cried like and he, he still cried when this is right? this is how this is how this is how how crazy how crazy good or crazy like like in tune and connected Jesus was it's just like he knew he was going to make the free throw he knew he was going to make the 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 jump shot the three-point shot he knew he was going to win the game but he was so connected to the people right he was so connected to the grief and felt the empathy of what Mary and her sister was going through and he still took time in the moment to be present and he grieved and, and his presence in the moment not only enabled him to express emotion in a healthy way by grieving and weeping in sadness it enabled him to display to everyone involved in that miracle that the the our morality doesn't come from the end of time a lot of Christians live a life 
expecting that one day God is going to make it all right. He's going to separate the sheep from the goats. He's going to give everyone their just desserts. And that's the way it's going to be. That's why you have to be a moral person now. Uh uh. Jesus said it doesn't work like that. Jesus essentially said our morality is not based in the eschaton or the notion of the end times instead rightly understood our morality in the present consummates the vision of the end time in other words mary and martha lazarus is coming back to you right now i'm going to do something for you right now i'm not going to wait right because the ethical demands of Christianity demand action in the present moment rather than a deferral of that action inauthentically. Oh, well, God will work it out. I'll understand it better by and by. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. So you don't get to come to me in my grief and tell me that it's not the time to grieve, right? right? That it may, it may be my time. To, to grieve it may be my time to experience sadness and that is okay so that's what i try to say to people and let me just go on record as saying this right now i think one of the most toxic things that we do is call a funeral a celebration of life Ooh, talk about that because that's what that's that is what is quote unquote uh, trending if you will that's just kind of what we do as christians yeah, and i know people don't like people ain't gonna like this because it's popular but since when did a sad occasion become a celebration it's a way to, it's a way to ignore feet it's a way of ignoring those feelings it's it's a, just an unhealthy way to ignore the emotions and it's based on that idea Oh, it's a celebration of life. I'm not sad. I'm not. Stop denying how you feel. Mm. I don't want anybody celebrating at my funeral. Wow. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's I, a take. That's a hot take right there. Why don't you want people celebrating at your funeral? I don't want anybody celebrating at my funeral because I want people to experience grief in a healthy way. Mm. right how do we do you that you don't celebrate someone's life confined to a two-hour funeral service you celebrate the celebration of a loved one's life is ongoing i celebrate the life of james james golden james b golden senior and margaret catherine golden my mother and father the smart the celebration of their lives for me will, will not end until my life ends mm. Right. I don't you, we, you can't confine the celebration of someone's life to a service. That's the wrong thing to call it. it. It is a funeral. It is a sad occasion. And I'm sorry, but sadness is part of the way that we celebrate a person's life. Mm. I know that might not make a lot of sense to people, but I think it's true. I think we pay homage to someone or we celebrate them when we experience sadness at the reality that they're not here with us anymore. I think that is a celebration. It's an acknowledgement. It's a recognition that there was once someone here and that person's gone now. And so I, you know, I don't want, I don't want people to deny themselves grief 
when I die. Mm-hmm. I want you to be healthy. Mm-hmm. I want you to be sad. And I, I, if you're going to celebrate my life, celebrate it by doing things you think that I would want done for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Don't confine the celebration of my life to a two-hour funeral service. Mm-hmm. Let's let's stop being inauthentic. Let's stop pretending. Let's stop it with the toxic positivity, right? Mm-hmm. Let's stop acting like the pain and sadness of human life are not real things. And let's begin to experience the grief and the pain and the suffering of life for what it actually is. Let me ask this question. Can both be true at the same time? Can you, can one be sad and joyous at the same time? Meaning that, because um, everyone, like you said, emotions are, are messy. They're non-linear. You know, one minute you're, you're, you have literally been crying and now you're laughing in memory of the, the loved one and or the deceased can't. And the, the, the memory of the joyous occasion puts a smile to your face and it brings you know it's it's it brings you some level of relief if you will to on some level but i guess like i said so my question is can you do both absolutely jason and you know the more i heard you talk just now the more i realized i need to revise something i said Mm -hmm. a moment ago you need to feel what you're feeling. Uh-huh. There you go. Whatever that feeling is. Uh-huh. If if you have a recollection of me that makes you smile and you happen to be at my funeral, you need to go ahead on and smile. Uh-huh. If you feel sad, man, Tim ain't here no more, then you need to go ahead and feel that. Yeah. But either way, it is wrong to walk up to somebody and say, this ain't the time for this. This ain't the time for that. You don't need to be sad. It's a resurrection morning coming. And you know, Tim was Christian. He believed in Jesus. <laughs> he going to rise again. You ain't trying to hear all of that. You just might be sad that your boy ain't here no more. You might just want to shed a tear. All right. right? right. You know, right. you might just want to shed a tear or you might want to crack a smile. Because you mm-hmm. might remember something we did together, some kind of fun we had, right? Whatever right. the case may be, funerals are not the places to, it, it's, it's not the thing that you call a celebration. And it's not the thing to say nobody can, uh, nobody could ever be sad, can ever be happy because everybody's got to be sad. Mm-hmm. Funerals are an emotional mess just like the lives that we live and that's a that's really well put jason you might smile in one moment you might be angry in another moment you might be sad in another moment let it all hang out but to 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 dogmatically call it a celebration or to dogmatically say nobody's allowed to celebrate as i did a few moments ago and i'm correcting myself now is it, that's what we do. That's what mm-hmm. we do here in Motown Philly. We recognize our own shortcomings, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to backtrack on that a little bit. But it ought to be a space where no emotion should be prevented because death is fundamentally an emotional event. And think about it, Jason. When people are allowed to freely grieve, 
it brings relief and it fosters communication connection and community well, there it's time i'm telling you the emotional events of life like death must be indulged in all of their fullness because it's when we do that that we become the best human selves that we can possibly become that's beautiful i i really believe that's beautiful to sum up what you're saying funerals and the emotions that go with it they just shouldn't be governed like they shouldn't be no one should be told what to do with their i mean like and because no one should be told what to do you know therefore people should be able and be allowed to feel what they're feeling and there is no better space and place and situations to be free in the moment of feeling whether you're at a funeral hello somebody or whether you're just living life like somebody needs to go ahead and tweet what i'm about to say right now say it if you can't feel you can't heal Mm. if you can't feel it you can't heal it let yourself go man Mm. that's why you got your family there you want to fall over and collapse and go ahead and do that you got somebody there right but if you can't feel it you can't heal it and the worst way to proceed in death and grieving death is to pretend that everything is a celebration or to pretend that everything has to be sad mm-hmm. the the best thing to do is to allow your emotions to run the full gamut i'm persuaded now the more we talk about this jason that you know when you are in grief that's one of the few times in life where it is unhealthy to give yourself completely over to reason where reason has to sort of step aside and allow the emotions to to flourish and grow and flow so that we can experience the full measure of healing from the loss that we've suffered no i agree i don't have anything to add to that bro i believe that (laughs) just understanding that death come with death comes a lot of emotions and we're being our best self with allowing ourselves to feel that's right with allowing ourselves to feel so now we're back almost full circle jason what did we say at the beginning at the beginning what we said was death is an emotional event because the people who died we have no idea what it's like on the other side we have no idea if there is another side we know we have beliefs Mm-hmm. Right. We have cultural beliefs, social beliefs. We have religious beliefs. We have theological doctrines that tell us what's going to happen. But we don't know those things the way that I know I'm talking to you right now or the way that our listeners know they're listening to episode 31 of the Motown Philly podcast. Right. We don't know it in that way. Uh, so what are we left with? We are left as those who as those who have survived we are left to process a complex array of emotions that require us to deal with death each in our own way and it's it's messy i think that's one thing that's certain jay what do you think 
death and communication death alone communication is, is is can is and can be messy okay it's beautiful when it's not right when when things are flowing and effective uh give and take and sharing of messages are are given between two individuals or more and death when it comes to the connection with true raw at times emotions uh feelings it, it can also it's it becomes a, a management thing at times maybe maybe self-management and sometimes because of love and support when someone lets themselves go emotionally because of death it's great to have individuals who love and care for you that are around there was an incident during the few like the my question to you in your mind and then i'll go after you if you can recall not sure if you've been to any funerals lately but your memory is crazy good but in your in your time being here on this earth what do you think the hardest time the most challenging time emotionally speaking of a funeral when is that when is that to you like when this like when is that thing where you think oh now the roof is about to come off this thing like i'll tell you my experience to me the most challenging time of death is the period of time between the death and the funeral Mm. that space right there is very difficult why because everyone no one has formally said goodbye yet Mm -hmm. and whether the person was taken from us suddenly or whether it was a terminal illness and depending on how things happen i mean heaven forbid i as as much as both of us have grieved the loss of close relatives i am for i count myself among the blessed to not have had to deal with a relative who was murdered right to not to have to deal with someone who ended up getting shot or anything like that to me i think the funeral is a way of formalizing the grief and the pain it brings people people are fully together there is a a more uh, formal collective grieving process and i don't know i just i think that that space between the death and the funeral for me is a space of uncertainty is a space of uh, vulnerability and it's a space of often shock and sadness and disappointment with which families have yet to come to terms that's what makes that difficult for me so i uh, thank you and I, I see that and i understand that and even feel that on some level uh, in being through experiences of family members who have passed away close. Um, I, I echo those same things, but my thought goes in a different place of the process of death. I think everyone who, or different people, if you ask the same question, might will definitely come to different, different um, conclusions. I would, I would dare say that a lot of people would say, after the funeral is the hardest time everyone goes away now it's just you and your thoughts for the most part and that could be one if not the the most challenging times um 
but I'm thinking of one in particular and I experienced it in um, with myself, with my parents, um, especially with my dad. My dad had a um, funeral where, you know, we had an open casket, you know, different people, different cultures, different families and traditions. They don't always have open casket, but we did. And um, for his and even for my aunts. And this was a time where where the emotions were were seemingly overwhelming. And it was this was the time where for the last time after the funeral is done, the people who were in attendance have passed through for the most part, depending on who's officiating and how the procession is going in the funeral. It is the last time when the family members stand up to move forward and look on the physical body of that particular individual and take in their last their last sight visual sight of this this loved one and then the casket is being closed right in front of you like you are no longer you just know and everyone knows that we you are no longer for the rest of your life will have an opportunity to lay gaze on the physical structure and features of this loved one, bro, the place goes bananas because the feelings are going crazy. That is one of the most acute, I think the word for I want to use, like like pain specific, one of them. Not saying that, you know, but it's just like, oh my goodness, it is the last time I will lay eyes on this beautiful human being that has impacted my life for all of my life and i will no longer see them that particular experience of high emotion is most heaviest at the end of it typically into middle of the funeral when they close that casket bro it's people are losing it including myself uh, at times um and that for me is one of the 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 most in a way treacherous experience it's not it's good and bad you know but because you see loved ones coming to support other loved ones this is literal who can't even physically stand if you will and there's 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 outpouring and support and reaching and and a lot of stuff going on tears and it's just fans and everything is happening in these moments when these classes are being closed and it's an experience that that's like no other when that casket is being closed. Yeah, I see what you mean when you said you go in another direction. I, I would just add to that, that for me, it was when the casket is lowered into the ground. It's mm, another one. I was 16 years old, man. And to watch my father who died right in front of me, I gave him CPR. To see the casket closed was one thing, but to hear the pulley crank as my father's casket was lowered into the ground and then to go back a month later and look at his tombstone mm -hmm. and, look at, and look at his name and see a date of his birth the year of his birth and the year of his death 
that's that's hard. The finality of it is is difficult. Same thing for my mother. I dropped the rose. My mother's favorite color was pink, and her favorite time of year was Christmas. And there we were in the middle of the Christmas season, just uh, between Christmas and New Year's. And I dropped a pink rose on my mother's casket as it was lowered into the ground. And I knew that was the last expression of affection I would be able to give to her or to my father. And I kissed my hand. I did this when both of my parents died as they got lowered into the ground. I kissed my hand and then I touched the casket and I had to turn around and walk away because mm. I couldn't bear the sight of watching them leave me in True. that way. Let me let me add this. Let me add this, Tim. I think I think this will be good as we land this plane called death and communication. We've been saying that emotions were inextricably connected to what is death. I think we can also inextricably connect love to death as well. Because as emotions rise up due to death, so so also does love in which an example that you shared about your mom and your dad and the kiss, um, sort of the ritual that you did is just a symbol, a metaphor, if you will, of what death does, not only to the emotions that lie within us, to the also, but also to the love that lies within us too. And I'm sure you can make a, an, another beautiful metaphor of like the cross. And when there's great death, there's also great love. And that is amazing. Yeah, the 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 Christianity is filled with paradoxes, filled mm-hmm. with things that make no sense. Christianity gives us the belief that brokenness can make us whole. That blood can heal. If I come across human blood, it's likely to cause disease. But when I come across the blood of Christ, it doesn't cause disease. It purges it. It heals it. And the greatest paradox for the Christian is that death is that life can come from death. That maybe, maybe when we lose our loved ones, maybe our own lives are invested with a greater sense of urgency. That maybe when we lose our loved ones, we celebrate them by remembering who they were and incorporating who they were into our daily lives. Jason, my father died on Thursday night, May 17th, 1984. He's been gone for nearly 39 years. I think of him every day, every day. Every day before I put my feet on the floor, I think of how I am going to live my life in a way that's going to bring honor to the name that he gave me, Golden. How will I, how will I do that? How will I bring honor 
to my mother. Maybe I bring honor to my mother by cooking a meal. Maybe I bring honor to my father by cracking a joke at the right time. Maybe, maybe I show his personality. Maybe I show her love to other people. Maybe if I can reproduce in the lives of other people the love that they gave to me, maybe I'm living a good life myself. And maybe, just maybe, what enables me to do those things is reflecting on the life that they lived even though they're gone. I'm sure you do the same thing, Jason. Your mother and father had practices. Look, man, baby, you grew up in Detroit, man. That's a city with soul. I know you grew up in an era in the 70s, the 70s and 80s kid in Detroit, Michigan, man, when your your mother and father did everything they could to make sure that their son had the best life possible. And I'm sure there's times that you catch yourself right now with your own children acting just like your mother and father, mm-hmm. right? All that noise out, boy. <laughs> I remember you used to tell me that's what your father used to say to you, man. So I know, I know. And to those of us, to those of y'all who are listening out there, listen, let, let death be an opportunity for you to engage your life, to live a better life. Let death be an opportunity for you to establish better communication, better connection, better community. Maybe, maybe the maybe the the sheer emotional torrent that comes from death can be a site of emotional well-being and competence and growth and 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 uh, and ultimate gladness right maybe if you indulge your emotions in a healthy way maybe if you grieve in that non-linear non-sequential way that's most healthy maybe you too can find that in death there's a better life well said jay where they gonna find you tim they gonna find me on instagram for the most part that's what i'm you gonna find me on the ground look me up look me up at the speakers mechanic i am a communication skills coach you can get at me on linkedin and we can um, connect through a dm or even through an email through any of those links that you might find around my name tim golden where can we find you sir man you can find me on the gram too I try to stay away from the gram for a variety of reasons, but if you want to find your boy on the gram, you can find me there at a good golden man. You can find me on Twitter at drtjgoldenesq, and you can find me on Facebook at Tim Golden. At three things in life for certain: death, taxes, and I am the only black man in Walla Walla named Tim Golden. I guarantee it. Walla Walla, the city so nice you had to say it not once but twice. Yeah, y'all, listen, episode 31. Hey, Jay, listen, I, we got to tell people, don't sleep on our guests. Do not sleep on the Motown Philly podcast guests. We have a guest coming up later this month. We're yeah. going to be doing an episode on trauma and communication, and we have a dynamite trauma educator from Los Angeles a trauma educator from Los Angeles who's going to be joining us. She is downright phenomenal. Y'all do not want to miss that. That's coming up at the end of the month. And and Jay, we just have so many good things in store. So y'all go to Apple Podcasts, rate us. Leave a review. Mm-hmm. Yeah, leave a review. If you say things about us in areas we need to improve, 
Jason and I can guarantee you this. We're going to pay attention to what you say. And if what you say has merit to it, Jason and I are going to self-reflect and we're going to try to get this thing right. Am I right, Jay? We are. That's who we are. That's what we do. That's what we do here. And if listen, if you ain't got nothing bad to say, come on and say the good stuff, too, because we take the good stuff, too. You know, we like kind of we, we like the kind of uh, we like the kind of criticism that makes us get better. But we like the kind that tells us to keep up the good work, too. So whatever it is, y'all got to say, please keep interacting with us in the Motown Philly Facebook group. You guaranteed to see a post from me in there this week. I, I dropped our episode last week. And I'll be coming in this week with a little preview of, of death. So be on the lookout for that Motown Philly podcast Facebook group. Come in, interact. And yo, we're just going to keep delivering the content and keep giving y'all one episode after another here in this Motown Philly podcast universe. What we do. What we do. Until next time, y'all. Take care of yourselves and each other. We love y'all, and we will be here again next week with episode 32 of the Motown Philly Podcast. Love y'all much. We out. We out of here like Vladimir. Later. <laughs>